Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook and the first part of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. How many of you were binge-watching Hallmark last night? Huh? Come on, fess up. It's like, okay, yeah, we get the, how often do you ever get the remote? I mean, come on, good deal, right? But we're excited for what God's doing with them, and I'm excited to be here with you this morning. And if you would open your Bibles, uh, open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, 1 Corinthians 1, 26, as we talk about boasting in the Lord this morning. And we're continuing on in our verse-by-verse study in 1 Corinthians. Um, One of the most uh, interesting books of the Bible because it is a correctional letter that Paul was sending to this group here. And in that first 25 verses, as Pastor Michael has taught us, um, we were really learning about the wisdom of God and the message of the cross. And it's really kind of summed up in verse 18 if you go back to verse 18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So so that's the summary verse of what's been taught in those first 25 verses. And now Paul is going to take a little turn here because he's going to direct his attention to the believers at Corinth. And as he does, he's directing his attention to us as well. And so as we get into this, let's just pray one more time. Heavenly Father, just thank you for this morning. Thank you for each person that's here. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak mightily and powerfully through your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul directs his attention to the Corinthians in verse 26. And he says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Now, I like the way the NIV puts it here. The NIV says this, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. And not many were of noble birth. You know, I wonder when he wrote that, did some of them go, what do you mean, Paul? Did they get offended at what Paul was saying? But, you know, actually, if you looked at some of the people uh, who were in Corinth at the time, you realize that Paul was speaking truth here. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll see that uh, Priscilla and Aquila were at Corinth at this time. Now, if you've seen the movie The Apostle Paul, I know many of you have, um, you know, they were main characters in, in that movie, and it showed them in Rome, but they had fled Rome because of the persecution and gone to Corinth, and they were just like Paul, tent makers in Corinth. So they were blue-collar workers, you might say, at the time. Then also in Acts uh, chapter 18, I believe it is, you have uh, Titius, who lived next door to synagogue, And Crispus, who was the synagogue leader. Now, they had some influence within a small sphere of Jewish people. But in the grand scheme of things, in the big city of Corinth, um, they didn't have much influence. 
So by the standards of the day, Paul was exactly correct because these folks did not have a lot of power or influence in the community of Corinth. Now, if we were to look at our culture today, what kind of people would we look at and say, these are people uh, that are mighty, that are noble, according to the wisdom of the world today? People that we look up to and listen to. And, you know, I think it's kind of crazy when you really think about it. Because our culture seems to place this kind of value that Paul's talking about here in actors and actresses, musicians, athletes. We seem to think that they are mighty and noble and we ought to listen to them. Or at least they think we ought to listen to them. I'm not sure because they seem to speak a lot to us. And then I also think, and as I was, you know, getting ready for the study, I couldn't help but think of the mainstream media. Uh, and, and I don't want to be too critical. I know they're trying to do their job. But it seems like they think they know everything about everything and that you ought to know what they think. Have you ever noticed that? You know, when I took journalism in high school and I worked on the newspaper, we weren't allowed to editorialize unless it had our byline up there. But in today's news, it's, I'm going to tell you what these facts mean. And we seem to listen. And we seem to place a lot of value. And, you know, even the church, we, we buy into that celebrity mentality. Have you ever heard someone say, oh, if only that person would come to the Lord, what they could do for the kingdom. Or maybe you even have said that yourself. You've looked at this person, oh, if they just came to Jesus, what they could do for the kingdom of God. We kind of think that way, that celebrity mentality, because we think they have so much stature in the world that they could just do great things for Jesus. But let me ask you something. Can you think of one famous person who came to the Lord and then led tons of people to Christ. I mean, maybe you can. I was thinking about it. I was like, no. I, I mean, I have been influenced by celebrity people who had a long-term relationship with the Lord. Men like Tom Landry, who I had the privilege of meeting when I was coaching football. And what a tremendous example he was as a Christian coach. Um, but I can't think of anybody who you know, was a non-believer and then became a believer and just led tons and tons of people to the Lord. In fact, what really happens is even though they have all this worldly, or because they have this worldly stature, uh, they come to the Lord and what happens? They throw them right out in front. Have you ever noticed that? So maybe uh, most of you are probably too young to remember this, but I remember when Bob Dylan made a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. Anybody remember that? Bob Dylan. Now for you young folks, you're going, who is Bob Dylan? Well, listen, there wouldn't be the kind of music we have today if it wasn't for Bob Dylan. He was considered the greatest songwriter of his generation and maybe even of the century. Um, tremendous songwriter. And he came to Jesus and they threw him right out in front and he even did this Christian album. One of the most famous songs, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Yeah, there we go. I know some people are starting to sing it right now. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you've got to serve somebody. Some truth in that, right? And we threw him right out there, but when was the last time you ever heard Bob Dylan talk about Jesus? No. And there was even another guy, and again, some young people won't remember. His name was B.J. Thomas. Have you ever seen the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Raindrops keep falling on my head. Come on. Okay. 
That's him. And B.J. Thomas became a Christian, and in fact, he did a great Christian album, which actually was influential in one way because when my son was four years old, we were listening to that album, and he asked me, Dad, can I accept Jesus? And I said, you sure can. And I pulled the car over on the side of the road, and my son accepted the Lord right then and there. So he had some influence, but then guess what? They threw him right out in front, and guess what happened? Went right back into drugs and alcohol. And he struggled a long time, and I've seen him lately, and apparently he's beyond that now, and I praise God for that. But you see, that's what happens. These people with worldly stature, and I can't think of one who's then be, you know, just become this great witness for Christ. But I look at the guys that, who have been a great witness for Christ, and I look at their humble beginnings. I think of, I think of Billy Graham, a man with very humble beginnings. I think of Greg Laurie. If you've ever read Greg Laurie's story, that's some humble beginnings. If you haven't already, maybe get his book Lost Boy and you'll see what I'm talking about. And I think of Pastor Chuck Smith. These were men of very humble beginnings, men that were nothing in the world. And God has used them in a great and mighty way. Why is that? Why is that true? Well, look at verse 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Verse 28, And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are. Why? Well, the answer is verse 29. So that no man may boast before God so that no man may boast before God God has a reason he's not going to use people with the worldly stature and I'm not saying they can't be used because many have and usually down the road after they become a Christian and matured a little bit but God takes the foolish things of the world the humble things of the world even the despised things of the world so that no man may boast before him now look, since Paul is asking these believers to think about what they were before God called them, don't you think we should do the same? Shouldn't we look at ourselves a little bit and go, hey, what was I before Christ called me and before I responded to his calling? Now, if you think that God called you because you had it all together and he was really getting a good deal when you came into the kingdom, well, you need to think again. And as I was thinking about this and I went back to when I accepted the Lord, I was 13 years old and I, I thought, you know, I'm really kind of glad that I was only 13 years old when I accepted the Lord because I had nothing to boast about. I could barely tie my shoes. So, you know, there was, I had nothing to offer the Lord when I came to him. The only thing I knew, and it was because of the preaching of the cross that we've been talking about in the last couple weeks, that I realized that there was nothing I could do or nothing I had that would get me into heaven. And if there's one thing that the New Testament makes clear, it's summed up in the next verse in verse 30. Verse 30 says this, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. And this is a concept that we must grasp. You and I, we are in Christ Jesus by 
his doing, not our doing. He provided the way of salvation by his death on the cross. You were listening to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. Shouldn't we look at ourselves a little bit and go, hey, what was I before Christ called me and before I responded to his calling? Now, if you think that God called you because you had it all together and he was really getting a good deal when you came into the kingdom... Well, you need to think again. And I, I was thinking about this, and I went back to when I accepted the Lord. I was 13 years old, and I, I thought, you know, I'm really kind of glad that I was only 13 years old when I accepted the Lord because I had nothing to boast about. I could barely tie my shoes. So, you know, there was, I had nothing to offer the Lord when I came to him. The only thing I knew, and it was because of the preaching of the cross that we've been talking about in the last couple of weeks, that I realized that there was nothing I could do or nothing I had that would get me into heaven. And if there's one thing that the New Testament makes clear, it's summed up in the next verse in verse 30. Verse 30 says this, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. And this is a concept that we must grasp. You and I We are in Christ Jesus by his doing, not our doing. He provided the way of salvation by his death on the cross. He provided our victory over death by his resurrection. And he provided us the measure of faith that was necessary for us to receive his gift of salvation. You see, it is all by his doing that we have a relationship with him. And it's all by his doing that we maintain that relationship. Philippian tells us that he is the one who's going to bring this good work into completion or perfection, right? Not us. It is all by his doing. And we're never to take credit for the work that he has done. And I think that when we truly understand that, when we truly believe that, it brings about probably the most important character trait that we should have. You know what that character trait is? I know everyone, okay, wait a minute. It's supposed to be love. No, love is an action that we take. Love is part of who we are. But the character trait that we need to have is humility. It's humility. You see, again, that's what this is all about. We cannot boast In ourselves, we need to have humility. And this is what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. And now next, Paul is going to teach us something else. He's going to take us beyond that salvation and what else Jesus brings to us as we respond to his call. So he says in that same verse, 
who became to us wisdom from God. Now that's kind of interesting. He became to us wisdom from God. What does that mean? Well, think about it. Before you came to Christ, what kind of wisdom did you have? Now maybe you were starting to read your Bible and maybe you kind of read the Proverbs and you you started to see what wisdom was. But before we came to Christ, before the Holy Spirit indwelt us, the only wisdom we had was the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the flesh, carnal wisdom. That's what we had. And as we've read earlier, what's that worth in the kingdom of God? Zero. Zip. But that's what we had. So Jesus became to us wisdom from God. Any wisdom that you or I might have. And, and I really appreciate it when, when people come in, maybe for counseling or whatever, and they said, well, I'm just, and we have one guy in this congregation, he always walks in and he says, I'm looking for some pearls of wisdom. And I'm going, well, if you're looking at me, you're looking at the wrong place, okay? Because any wisdom I have comes straight from his word, straight from the power of his Holy Spirit. Any wisdom that we have, and we need to understand that it is received from Jesus by the power of the Spirit. And then it says, he became to us righteousness. Now, righteousness in two senses of the word. And I think it's important to understand both of them. One, and, and Pastor Michael is so good at teaching us, and he talks about the great exchange of the cross. And, and, and that is so true. But two parts of that righteousness. One is, we're now legally not guilty. Now let me ask you this, let me ask you this. Before we came to Christ, were we guilty of sin? Yes, we were, absolutely. But when we came to Christ, we are legally, are standing legally as we are no longer guilty. We've been acquitted. We've been forgiven. In actuality, someone else has taken that sin from us. So we are legally not guilty. And that's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome to know that. But there's a second sense. And, and I want to use this term. It's his act of righteousness. You see, Jesus was righteous. Completely, perfectly righteous. And his act of righteousness, in other words, the ability to do what's right in God's eyes, is now available to us. You see, before that time before we came to Christ, before he paid the penalty for our sin and we received that gift of God, we didn't have the ability to do what was right in God's eyes. We may have tried, and we may not even really try to do what's right in God's eyes, but what we thought was right and the right thing to do, but we didn't have that ability. So Jesus became our righteousness in the sense that we now have an ability to do what is right before God. That's amazing, isn't it? We have the ability to do what's right. We don't always use that ability. We don't always use it. We don't always walk in the Spirit and allow Him to do that work. But we now at least have the possibility and the ability to do what's right in God's eyes. And then it says He became to us sanctification. Now that's a big word. And if you really want to know what that word means, you've got to come to the next Firm Foundation class. No, that's okay. We'll talk about it right now. You see, because of our new relationship with Jesus, we are now becoming sanctified. Sanctified really means set apart. Set apart from the world and set apart to God. That's what we become. 
And it's a process that takes place. And the closer and closer we draw to the Lord, the more set apart from the world we become and the more set apart to God we become. Have you noticed that in your Christian walk? That's why we say, you know, hey, we know we can't be perfect. We know we're not gonna do things right all the time, but can you look back at your life and see how much more set apart from God you are this year than you were last year? I've been walking with the Lord over 50 years. And believe me, that first 10 or so, that was slow growth. Wow, way too slow. But you know, I can look back and go, my life was beginning to be set apart for God, but then it became more set apart for God and more set apart from the things of the world. Now, I'm not there yet, and you're not there yet, but some of the things that happen, first of all, your worldview changes. Your worldview changes. Your worldview before you came to Christ was a worldly worldview. You saw the world the way those influential people told you to, those news guys told you to, the movies told you to, the music. How many of you guys, okay, I'm dating myself again. How many of you guys sang all those Beatles songs, you know? And and that was your worldview. All we need is love. (laughs) Well, that's true. But I would change it to, all we need is agape, because that means something different than the Beatles meant, let me tell you. See, we had, that was our worldview. That's how we saw the world. So our worldview changes as we're being sanctified. Our behavior changes as we're sanctified. And if our behavior isn't changing, you're supposed to be being sanctified. You maybe better take a look at what's going on. Your behavior should change. And I thought about it this way. I I thought, you know, our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness. Can I say it again? Our thoughts and our desires transform from selfishness to selflessness because we're looking to please the Lord. You were listening to Assistant Pastor Chris Van Hook right here on Walk in Truth. And this was his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. I wanted to remind you that we archive our programs on walkintruth.com so you can listen anytime in addition to this fantastic radio station. We also podcast the program so you can search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, we've been telling you about a series that we have on walkintruth.com called The Dark Dangers of the Occult. And this is a month that, you know, you kind of start thinking about these things with Halloween night coming up. And, you know, some people do use this as a dark night to practice some dark stuff. Not everybody, but some people do. And what is this whole thing about people and witchcraft? And, hey, if someone wants to mess around with witchcraft or Ouija boards or seances, uh, isn't that their business? And isn't it their right? And why do we care? Well, we care because we care about people not opening up doorways where they might get much more than they expected. And many of the stories that are told about people messing with the occult is all of a sudden, you know, they were doing something they thought was, uh, you know, no big deal. And then they got some dark evil into their life that became very frightening. We have a whole series on the dark dangers of the occult at walkintruth.com dealing with demon possession, witchcraft, and Wicca. 
the New Age Movement with our special guest, Frank Sontag. And the whole set is available online at walkintruth.com. This would be an interesting thing to avail for yourself if you've never heard teaching on this, or even maybe give it to a friend who might be dabbling in this stuff. It's available, The Dark Dangers of the Occult series, at walkintruth.com. And remember, when you buy a product, you're partnering with us in the great ministry of Walk in Truth to reach more people like you. So check it out today at walkintruth.com. We appreciate you buying something ahead of time. God bless you. And one more thing, I'd love to invite you out to Living Truth Christian Fellowship this Sunday as we're going through the book of Galatians. It's such an amazing, powerful little book about defending and living the gospel. What's the true gospel? What's the dangers of people redefining the gospel? How do we both defend and live out the gospel of grace and freedom? Well, Galatians deals with that, and it deals with legalism and works-based salvation and all this stuff. If you've been confused about how do you get saved and how does this all work, and is it truly by grace through faith, Galatians would be a fantastic book for you to go through with us. And if you're not in fellowship somewhere, if you've been meaning to visit, come on out this Sunday. We have services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. And you can find out information and directions to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. Come on out to one of the services. I'd love to meet you. We'll see you here on Sunday. Tune in next week for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.